Network Design Principles Security. Episode 88. Network Design Principles. We have to know them and leverage them in every network design decision we make. Now, here's the question, though. Is security a network design principle? We'll find out today in this episode of the Zigbits Network Design Podcast. Welcome back, my friends, nerds, geeks, and ziglets out there. We have another episode of the Zigbits Network Design Podcast, where zigabytes are faster than those gigabytes. We strive to provide real-world context around technology. What is up, everybody? I hope everyone is doing great. Zig Ziggy here, and welcome to episode 88 of the Zigbits Network Design Podcast. Once again, my name is Zig Ziga, and I'm here to help you with network engineering, network design, and network architecture. And today, we are going to highlight the network design principle security. Hey, before we jump in, I want to let you know that I have opened up my network design course. Yes, it is open. It is titled Designing Network Architectures and Ensuring Business Success. The purpose of this course is to make you the best network designer you can be. It's targeting everyone in this amazing networking industry, no matter if you're just starting out out of college or high school, or if you've been in the industry for 30 years or you're a veteran and network engineer. This course is going to change your career and your life. Hey, if you're interested and want to hear more, go to zigbits.tech/dna, and until April 30th, 2021, use the discount code BEST Network Designer, one word, all caps, to save 10% at checkout. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me in Discord, or you can email me at zig at zigbits.tech. So historically, security hasn't been identified as a network design principle. And honestly, I always wondered why. What happens to your business if your network is compromised? What happens to your business if the integrity of your data is compromised? Now, these are super, super simple questions with very impactful, profound answers. Some of those answers would be your business reputation suffers. Customers lose trust in your business. Your business loses money and revenue. What about this one? Your business is no longer meeting compliance standards and can be fined or shut down. Now, that's an extreme case, but you could literally go out of business if you don't have your compliance standards in place. Some other terms that go into this topic are risk management and zero trust architecture, just to name a couple. Now, at a high level, I've kind of categorized security as three models. There's three security models over the last 20 years, right? And, and we've been shifting between these models, okay? So the first model is what I like to call the turtle shell security model, which is really the legacy way of doing security with a firewall at the perimeter, your turtle shell. The firewall is your turtle shell. And you have a whole bunch of security capabilities on this firewall that limit what can get into your network and what can leave your network. Now, what, what happens when something gets in, though? In this model, that, that attack or that malicious activity, when they get in, if they can get in, they have full east-to-west lateral movement between users and resources. All those things, all those squishy, soft things inside that turtle shell, they have full access. There are no other security mechanisms in place to catch these threats. Inside the threats, as well, become prevalent here. I've had a ton of customers not know that one of their critical applications was sending data. Now, I'm going to be sensitive business and customer data to other countries, which they, again, they had no idea the application was doing this. Again, this comes down to there's no visibility of what is being done in these environments. There was no least privileged access 
then I harp, you should only allow what is needed for a user group, not what they want to have access to or want to be able to do, no matter their role within the company or organization. Specifically, that's calling out the CEO or the CO, those C-level personnel. It doesn't matter if they want to have full access. They get access based on what they should have, not you know what they need to have, not what they want to have. And I would drive this further because this is like the user-based kind of idea, user segmentation, user access, role-based access, and identifying what you should have access to, what you need to have, and limiting it based on that. But I would drive this concept even further into the applications and services and servers and devices. And if I run a tech company out in New York City, for example, and I have security cameras to track who's going in and out of my office space, those security cameras should not be sending data outside of my network. Now, that's a very simple example, right? Another one, my printers and my network should not be able to access the internet. They also should not be able to access other printers or services other than the print server. These are just generalized things, right? And you validate them. Those are great examples of isolating devices and applications and what they can do and what they should be able to access. These are extremely easy items to address and implement, but this turtle shell model, this turtle shell approach just doesn't provide the mechanisms to do this. So this goes into the next model, our second model, which we've transitioned to, right? So this is the session and transaction-based security model. Now, this is the evolution of that turtle shell concept. Now we can lock those down those printers, those applications, those security cameras we just talked about. We can secure the east and west traffic dynamically based on what the device is. Like who who is using it? What why are they using it? Where are they using it? And what they need to have access to. Now this mode leads to a 100% authentication model and then a 100% authorization of each session and transaction. Now this doesn't necessarily this isn't the necessarily easy button though. You set to define define your policies and implement them in a network access control system. You need to also determine how you want to authenticate these sessions. Now you can use a number of different authentication protocols and techniques within this construct. You can do a whole bunch of A2.2.1x topics uh, like PEEP and MSChap version two, EPTLS. You could also do MAB, right? These are all different authentication options. And there are pros and cons to each of these methods of authentication. Now, once once you have authenticated Right. Once your authentication policy is determined, and then you need to identify what I like to call your use cases. My example earlier about printers and security cameras are great and relevant, easy examples of what I call a use case. When I am defining these use cases, I ask myself, what does this resource need, not want, need to operate? In most cases, it's less access than they have today. The other item you get with this security model is relative, not real, relative visibility. For some of this, this will look like full visibility, but it's truly not. There is no data captures here. There are no analytics tools here. You get the visibility of what is on your network, when and where the devices and users are connecting and how they are connecting. And you also get to predetermine how you're going to handle them when they connect. This is this visibility is, again, not real time or near real time. Uh, some of the vendor-specific solutions out there are pretty quick with their dashboards and can show this information within 30 to 60 seconds. But I want to make it very clear, this isn't real-time visibility. This is not real-time analytics either of what is on your network. These capabilities come with the next security model. 
Now, once this model is completed, most organizations have a good understanding of their users and their end devices, but not their their applications, not their services. So I like to emphasize that you need to drive the same process with the same capabilities into the applications, services, and servers. So going into our third model here, our third paradigm shift for security is zero trust. The third security model, right? This model brings in even a larger shift from a security standpoint than what we had so far. Zero trust adds real-time captures and analytic tools, those capabilities to this mix. Now, this allows for real-time artificial intelligence, machine learning, decision-making. I'm talking real-time decision-making based on the data that's being fed back into the system. And I don't want this to come off as the computer makes its own decision now. Heaven forbid, right? But yeah, the computer doesn't make its own decision. While you sure, you sure could set this up that way if you wanted. I still have seen I still have not yet seen an organization fully allow a zero trust engine make changes without human interaction. The larger concept within this model is that every device, every user, application, server, service, resource, even the data itself is assigned a trust score. This trust score changes based on what the analytics engine, that zero trust engine, sees happening. Now, this could be a static change, like a physical location or connectivity model. Uh, a good example might be I connect from a coffee shop over a VPN connection, so I get a lower trust score and thus less access than if I connected at a company location. Now, there are a number of dynamic characteristics with this model as well, uh, which the, the zero trust engine will leverage to kind of on the fly, increase or decrease that trust score. This could be as simple as the time of day, the day of week, um, what type of data the user is sending. It can also be as complex as you're sending a different type of data you've never sent before, or you're sending a higher amount of data than normal. Think of on a normal day-to-day, um, you send maybe 100 megs data from your computer, you know, out to the internet or something like that, you know, that traffic going up, you know, uploading to the internet. And then, and that's not a realistic option, but I don't know how much data people send up to the internet these days. You know, But again, just in this hypothetical situation, you're sending on average 100 megs of data, and then you come in to the office and then you send two gigs of data, right? Or 10 gigs of data. You know, That's a huge flag. That's an anomaly that the analytics engine is going to say, hey, this is weird. Something's wrong. Let's either flag it or deny it. There's a lot. There's a lot that goes into zero trust architecture. Um, and this is not meant to get into the weeds of zero trust architecture here. The concept is that this is a big shift for how we do things, but it's more than just how we do things from a technology perspective. It's also how organizations, businesses govern their environment. Their governance model has to shift to be able to leverage a zero trust architecture solution. But some of the concepts here, you're going to have a inventory system of some sort of inventory capability. You have that policy engine capability. You're going to have a policy enforcement point. You're going to have a analytics engine, machine learning engine, a kind of AI-driven engine that has that trust score, has those resource scores that you can identify them on the fly and make real-time changes to those scores as needed. But then you also have your kind of data plane where you have your switches and your routers and your firewalls. And then you also have your end devices, your users, your computers, your printers. So this is the whole model of how it works. And there's a whole bunch of that goes into it that is more than just 
high-level zero-trust architecture. Hey, would you let me know, uh, just a quick poll there, if anyone wants me to dive into a dedicated zero-trust architecture session, uh, go ahead and send me a quick email, zig at zigbits.tech. Just let me know that you would love a dedicated zero-trust architecture session where we dive under the hood of what zero-trust architecture is, uh, vendor agnostically, of course, uh, what capabilities are in place, how do you get those capabilities, where can you start, and then how do you move forward into that really zero-trust architecture world. Let me know. Send me that email. I'd uh, love to hear more. And if, if you want it, I will go into a good detailed session on it. Maybe you get a couple guests to talk about it um, at length. Security is a network design principle. It is. It truly is. And if we don't know that now, you know it, right? If you didn't know that before this session, this this podcast episode, well, now you know it. Security is truly a network design principle. As you move forward, you should keep security at the top of your mind. Wherever possible, we want to include security capability capabilities to ensure we meet the confidentiality, integrity, and availability requirements of our businesses and our customers. Remember to think this keyword is business assurance. A business cannot fulfill its goal, its outcome, or mission if the business or its data is compromised. Right? Think of the implication there, right? A lot of businesses will make decisions on their data. So they're getting data from whatever source, and they're making real-time decisions on that data. Now, that data is compromised, and something in that data has been changed, and you have no idea that the integrity of your data is gone, and you make a decision based on inaccurate data, what's the implications to your business now? And you could go through all the different scenarios, right? You could talk about the government world uh, and the implications there. You can talk about the financial world and the implications there. You can talk about like the stock market and the implications there. There's a lot of implications here. If the data is not integrity, if there's the integrity of the data is not, it's compromised, the implications are very, very large. This is also where you will find compliance requirements like HIPAA, NIST, and PCI. Again, if a business is not compliant, they can, they can be disconnected and fully brought down. Hey friends, nerds, geeks, and ziglets. That's going to close out today's episode of the ZigBits Network Design Podcast, where we talked about the network design principle security. And it truly is a network design principle. Today's show notes will be at zigbits.tech/88. Hey, I have opened up the doors to my network design course called Designing Network Architectures and Ensuring Business Success. If you are interested to hear more about my course or are ready to enroll right now, visit zigbits.tech DNA. Don't forget, because this is key, don't forget to use the discount code BEST Network Designer, all one word, all caps, at checkout to save 10%. If you want to have live network design kind of conversations right now with me and other fellow ZigBits fans, you can join the ZigBits Discord community. There are a ton of highly skilled experts ready to help you with your network design questions. You go to zigbits.tech discord to join. And again, this is a 100% free community. If you liked today's episode, let us know. You can find more ZigBits network engineering, network design, and network architecture content, including technical podcasts, monthly webinars, YouTube videos, and a dedicated community on Discord. All of this content I just mentioned is free. Find all of this and much more at zigbits.tech. Follow us on Twitter at ZigBits and find us on LinkedIn. Sign up for our free weekly newsletter, the Network Design Digest, filled with the best network design content and network engineering at zigbits.tech newsletter. As always, I appreciate you and thank you for listening. Now, don't forget 
to attack your goals, attack the day, attack your life, and make progress, my friends. Until next time, bye for now.